Who is the correct 49er running back to start this week? Can Dearness Johnson still make a nice week 11 flex? And should Cam Newton be starting for your FFPC teams this Sunday? Plus, the 2021 FFPC main event 12th place team owner Rob Linkowski hangs out with us to talk about Najee Harris, Darnell Mooney, Dalton Schultz, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. The lesson. Make out of the Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Quiet Hollers, remember to check out their music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations to all the Volcoholics and for LAX. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by myffpc.com. I am, as uh, as always, your slightly above average host, Eric Falkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. I want to throw it out to Farrell right now. Farrell, we've talked about, I bragged up my Kentucky teams way too much this year. Mm, I want to give you a chance you. to break up your FFPC teams. How how are your FFPC teams doing so far this season? Well, can we talk about the football guys' action, Balky? That's that's where. Well, yes, please. I have to tell you, um, three live teams. Uh, two of them were missing in action from the moment I drafted them. I drafted it at the very front of the draft. I found it not to, to you know, the players that I would really like to have didn't fall, fall to me. And I was not brave enough to venture way beyond the ADP like I should have been, like my instincts told me to be. However, I did get a 200-point weekend this weekend, on, when this past weekend when they were very, very hard to find. Uh, KFFSC Royal Family. Um, mm. and I uh, play with my good friend Jeff Joaquin. Uh Jeff drafts the team and uh, he's responsible for it but at least it's got my name on it and uh, we scored over 200 points against uh, the, the team that has beaten me for over a decade now the Gazelle brothers have been, have, have been kicking my ass for years <laughs> and now I can basically say that I have a win against them uh, that won't bother them because they scored well, too. They're well on their way to another division championship. But, hey, that team may make the playoffs. It's been a very exciting year. I've got performing football guys' teams. And where I don't, I know what I did wrong. And I can't wait to begin crafting again. But there's nothing more exciting than double-digit weeks in the uh, FFPC. And we're, we're uh, getting a little excitement here in the uh, KFFSC as well. And, Balky, you continue to do well, and you might as well continue to talk about your teams because, you know what, 
you, you've got a skill set in this in this fantasy football business that needs to be recognized as well deserved as an excellent player. Well, I don't know if I'm at excellent yet, but I appreciate the kudos for sure. Um, I will say this about my Kentucky teams this year. I feel like I am in a pretty good position in my redraft and my dynasty teams to, um, to make a play, to, to win some leagues, um, as are mm-hmm. a lot of people. There's a lot of talented people that play in the KFFSC, and that's what makes this so great because now we've got 10 weeks behind us, Farrell. We essentially you know, have seven weeks to go here before all the big money is handed out, and there's so many people that – and this is a public service announcement. KFFSC owners, FFPC owners – Keep setting your lineups. Keep placing waivers. You never know what can happen. I've seen crazy things before. If you think you're on the fringe or you're out of it, chances are you're probably not. So you got to keep playing this out, and I encourage everybody to do that. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to talk about that Patriots running back situation that we were a witness to on Thursday Night Football last night. We're going to debate whether Jared Cook or C.J. Uzuma makes a better start this weekend. And then the 12th place team owner in the 2021 FFPC main event, Rob Linkowski, is going to link up with us. And he's going to talk about TJ Hawkinson with Tim Boyle, Darnell Mooney with Justin Fields this weekend, and much, much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. We uh, uh, can uh, answer any questions you might have if you want to post them in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, the show is at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. Of course, um, you can connect with the KFFSC at KFFSC.com. Facebook.com slash HSFFR is where to post your questions there as well. And if you want to give us a buzz tonight, we encourage that kind of behavior. 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. If you want to email us, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com is where to reach us. If you have any questions for us, you got to send them in now, and we'll uh, try to get to all the chat room questions all the tweets, all the emails, and the fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, and our producer and mutual friend Rob. If you are craving another fantasy football high-stakes podcast this week, go to rotaviz.com slash podcast. I have uh, Jerry Kaforsky, um, one of the biggest Seinfeld fans we have in the FFPC. Uh, he and I did a podcast this past week in the high-stakes lowdown, uh, high-stakes fantasy football mm. lowdown, and we uh, have that on rotaviz.com. Check that out, rotaviz.com slash podcast. All right, let's get into it tonight. Dan Campbell, the head coach of the Detroit Lions, says the team is ready to start Tim Boyle this coming week. Now, we know, based on um, what's come out in Detroit, that Jared Goff is officially listed as doubtful. Dave Burkett has this information on Twitter. The throwing session that uh, Jared Goff had today apparently did not go great, and now you're looking at a situation where the Cleveland Browns are going to be going up against the Tim Boyle-led Detroit Lions this week. Farrell, the question is not, hey, do we start Tim Boyle in super flex leagues? The question is, do we start guys like Amon Ross St. Brown? Do we start guys like DeAndre Swift? Do we start guys like TJ Hawkinson? Um, The Lions skill position players as far as Tim Boyle goes. I'll answer my part of this first, and I'll just say this. Tim Boyle was the backup to Aaron Rodgers here in Green Bay for several seasons. I thought he was more than capable. I liked him as a quarterback. I think he's going to be fine. For me, if you are already planning on starting Lions wide receivers or Hawkinson or Swift or any of those guys, continue to start them. I don't think there's going to be much of a drop-off. Farrell, what do you think? The change from Goff to Boyle this weekend. 
Bucky, you are a hundred percent right, and I want to talk a little bit about Tim Boyle because actually, I was I was pretty jacked up to to get this information that Boyle would be behind center. You know, you know him as a Green Bay Packer backup. I know him as an Eastern Kentucky Colonel. He came here after a career at Connecticut, and you know, I learned I said, "They're getting a six foot five quarterback. I better look up and see what this guy did." At UConn, in his three years at UConn, he threw for one touchdown and 13 interceptions. He comes to EKU mm. for 2016. He's supposed to be their starting quarterback. They redshirt him as a senior. They don't, they don't let him see the field. In 2017, he comes out, and he plays well. He was one of the better quarterbacks that year, and that's what got him into the NFL. And his, it's very good that he landed at Detroit – where, you know, the front office aspirations and, and the, the match of, of the physical qualities is exactly what you want for the Detroit Lions at a backup quarterback. He's the same style player. And he has spent, you said it so well, he spent three years, just like he spent a year at EKU getting ready, he spent three years getting ready for this, working in the uh, quarterback room, uh, with Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest. And and that's very, very valuable apprenticeship. People that, you know, I, I've talked to a couple of fancy players today. They said he's never done anything. Well, we just told you what he's done. And let's focus on Hawkinson. I think he's going to go into this game, and like any young quarterback, he's going in the dog pound. He's going to start on the road. I think he'll distinguish himself. I think he'll do a credible job. But he'll do it through the tight end. If you look at Cleveland, uh, they're lower, to, uh, middle lower of the pack in defense against the tight end, and they really haven't played the elite tight ends. And Hawkinson, you drafted him in the FFPC as an elite tight end, and I think after putting up, I think it was a goose egg last weekend. If it wasn't, it was the weekend before. But after having a bad game, uh, I, I think we can look at him to have a really good Kelsey uh, uh, tore Cleveland up in the opening of the season, two touchdowns, six catches. Uh, Fant with an anemic offense caught five balls against them. Later on, uh, recently, Fryermuth got a touchdown. Hunter Henry, two touchdowns in the New England blowout on four catches. We're going to see a better performance than that uh, by Hawkinson, and I think this uh, Cleveland team is vulnerable in the red zone to the position. And Tim Boyle will, uh, you know, that's that's going to be his crutch to get him through this. And, and Detroit comes out of there um, with a loss, but they play credibly and they play well and they play hard football on both sides of the ball. It's going to give them some opportunities to be successful. Hawkinson is my guy to uh, deliver in the FFPC this weekend. Farrell, you, you said it so eloquently, you know, and, and I think that's that's what it comes down to. You know, we pumped up Hawkinson on this podcast in the uh, pre-draft season, and it's very, very difficult for me to say, hey, um, if, you, if, if you have Hawkinson and you're debating starting him with Boyle throwing to him this weekend, it's very difficult for me to say, you probably have a better option. There's probably a guy that you want no. better than Hawkinson. No, nah, I don't think so. Uh, and I think if you have Hawkinson, especially in the FFPC tight end premium, you got to play him this week. And and I know even in KFFSC, Farrell, I got him in like six spots in KFFSC. I didn't even really contemplate benching him. 
uh, for anybody no. in that league. So I feel good about him this week, and, and I'm rolling in him out there uh, for sure as well. All right, moving on to uh, the West Coast here. John Lynch said Elijah Mitchell would be a game-time decision this week against Jacksonville, according to Brian Murphy on Twitter. Officially, Eli Mitchell is listed as doubtful. Now, Lynch said that Eli Mitchell has a broken finger that, quote, he thought could function, uh, end quote, according to Lynch. But um, surgery might have been different than we anticipated. Pain tolerance, not an issue, according to Lynch, but he has to be able to function. They're going to take it up until game time. Now, they have been very optimistic all week that Elijah Mitchell is going to play, but I think the death knell was that um, you saw him get the doubtful tag after practice today, which is Friday. Jeff Wilson had 10 carries against the L.A. Rams last, uh, last week. Farrell, is Jeff Wilson a sneaky start? in the FFPC main event and football guys players championship this week, knowing that Mitchell is listed as doubtful. I think it's very sneaky start. And anyone that has an idea that, that can remember their history in Jeff Wilson, you know, what, what we're dealing with here, if Elijah Mitchell is not available, even if he is, we know this backfield can support two running backs, but if, if Elijah Mitchell doesn't play, uh, that may send Jeff Wilson close to 20 carries. And what has he done when he's been given that opportunity? You have to go back and look. 76 yards versus Seattle and an eye-popping 183 yards against Arizona. This team is designed where running backs that get in a flow, that get in a momentum, can deliver. Everybody in Green Bay remembers what Mostert did to them in the playoffs. I don't think everyone remembers that Wilson did 183 versus a beat-up Arizona defense. Jacksonville, uh, 106 yards per game to the run. Uh, you know, we might have a bigger second half rushing the ball. I think that 49ers team has discovered itself. They know what they want to do. They're moving in the right direction. It's the wrong time for old Jacksonville to have to look up. Irvin Meyer have to pencil in playing the 49ers. If Jeff Wilson uh, is on your roster, you, you hung on to him for a reason, or you spent – free agent fab budget to get him when someone else gave up. Either way, get him in your lineup. You're going to be glad you did. Farrell Elliott, the uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Commissioner, weighing in this week on the 49ers running back situation. Let's go to another running back situation that we saw in action last night. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, 12 carries, 69 yards in New England's romp over the Falcons. Uh, also getting a six-yard catch last night. Now, Stevenson also had a 28-yard carry that was called back because of holding. Now, Damian Harris was banged up coming into this game. They basically split the carries last night. Uh, Harrison, uh, Harrison, Harris actually um, went in for Stevenson when they were in Falcons territory um, uh, a couple of times in Ramondre Stevenson's quote-unquote drives when, he, when it was his drive out there. You saw Harris going out there. So what's interesting is Belichick seemingly trusts Damian Harris Farrell, but Ramondre Stevenson still getting some looks in the passing game and still getting a lot of carries. Is this a 50-50 thing going forward? In other words, do you have to knock Damian Harris down to a flex play in the FFPC? And do you bump Ramondre Stevenson up to be your top flex or at least your second flex, depending upon what your team looks like going forward now that we have seen Stevenson play really well the last two weeks? 
It's almost a very similar answer to what we would give for the Niners. This is a 50-50 split, with a, and it's a volume split. It's a high-volume split. Guess what, Balky? The Patriots are winning with tough defense and a strong running game. Unheard of. No one's ever tried this before. This is, <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah, but so we're having throwback football, and they're having great success in it. And the key to answering the running back question here in New England is understanding what they foresee and what they wish for Mac Jones to do. And even in a game last night when you could have pulled back uh, – the, 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 the you could have given Jones more offense, more passing. You you could have let him develop more. They don't want to do that. You know they they keep him in second gear. He hasn't even shifted into third or much more fourth this year. This this guy is is basically designed. And I don't want to say he's a game manager because he's very efficient with the volume he gets. He knows what he's going to get. You see when he makes a mistake, throws a pick, even throws an incomplete pass, he's very, very hard on himself because he understands he's dealing with X amount of opportunities to throw the ball, and he understands what's expected of him. Everybody on this team seems to be coalescing at the right moment these two running backs will have a role. As we as we remember through time, you know, New England has supported two running backs before, sometimes three when you have that when you have that pass catching back of James White out of the backfield. It's a very interesting uh, uh season for the Patriots as they go forward. If you were smart enough to get Damian Harris in what book? Tenth or eleventh round, is that what it was, or was it a little earlier? Yeah. And then then it, Stevenson was, wherever you could get him. I'm you know, if you were smart enough to get these players up. on your team, you got to play them. You know, that's the bottom line. Yeah, and and you're and you're totally right. You got to play them uh, because they're performing now. And I will say, as we got closer to drafting season in the FFPC and the KFFSC, not drafting season, but as we got closer to the start of the regular season, you saw Damian Harris go up, and and it was a matter of okay, um, am I going to invest in the in the bump here? with Damian Harris, or am I not? And the people that invested in him, I think, are feeling better about their situation than the people who did not. We have Rob Linkowski, the 12th place team in the FFPC main event, coming up in one second. The only other thing I want to get to, Farrell, before we get to Rob, is this uh, Seattle running back situation right now. Now, Alex Collins is going to play in the Arizona Car- against the Arizona Cardinals this week. He was downgraded to DNP on Thursday but was not listed on the Seahawks' final injury report today. He had, um, had 73% of the backfield touches for Seattle, and you, you had Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, Rashad Penny, all competing for touches behind him, but it was Collins getting the lion's share. And we also found out today that Chris Carson has been placed on injured reserve as he is going to get neck surgery that is going to end his season. No more worries about Chris Carson for redraft teams going forward. It's the Alex Collins show. So, Farrell, you look at Collins taking on the Cardinals this week. Is he a must-flex? Is he a must? I mean, is he a top-20 running back for you this week, knowing that he should get the lion's share of all the carries in Seattle? All those situations that you just outlined, Balky, uh, if you don't start this player, then why is he on your roster? Why did you acquire him? Right. You must have really had a good team. Yeah. 
Uh, and, and I've always thought that this player, uh, given a full opportunity, could excel. I, and it's I've been surprised. He had some off-the-field issues. He had some locker room issues. But I've always been surprised that this player didn't do better. And he's flashed. And, and you know, we've, now he's given an opportunity to do something, surrounded by talent at the quarterback position and excellent receivers. Um, the day of just 10 rushes and 40 yards for Alex Collins is over. And, and, you know, originally when he was picked up, I thought it was because of the dearth of of um, depth available at the position via free agency. But the people that claimed him um, really made an astute move uh, to get this player in, in circumstances now. Uh, he could make a difference for you down the stretch. So, yeah, if he's on one of my rosters, he's in the lineup. Very, very difficult for me. I got him on probably a half dozen rosters in private leagues and Kentucky leagues. Very, very difficult for me to sit him this week. We will talk about that and much more with tonight's guest, who I want to bring in right now, ladies and gentlemen. With his wife's recommendation, he started playing high-stakes fantasy football roughly two decades ago and won his league championship, received prize money seven times between the WCOF and the FFPC. Finished in the top 40 last year in the FFPC Main Event Championship round. And unlike a lot of the guests we've had on the show, unlike a lot of the high-stakes fantasy football uh, players out there in the FFPC, he only owns one fantasy team per year. That team sitting in 12th place in the 2021 FFPC Main Event. Please welcome onto the show Mr. Rob Linkowski. Rob, thank you so much for joining us on the show tonight and chatting with us, man. Welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, first off, I want to thank you for having me on the show. It's quite an honor. And second, I'd like to thank you, Eric and Farrell, for everything you guys do. Uh, I listen to your podcast very frequently, and you guys set, set the stage very nicely on the platform. And it's easy for us to just enjoy and play the fantasy game that we love. So thank you for having me. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you for joining us because you are improving, you are, you are, you are improving the content of this show exponentially right now. One of the things, <laughs> I, I, well, a couple of now, a couple of things that I want to bring up before we get into the interview tonight. Number one, okay. um, it's very – I think that – and Farrell can probably back me up on this. I don't think we've ever had a guest on this show, um, you know, come on and say, oh, you know, I've, I've done all this in, in the high-stakes industry. I've, I've, I've won this much money. I've done this well. Um, because my wife encouraged me to play high stakes fantasy football. So I kind of want to, I want to ask you how that started, how your wife got you mm-hmm. into the HSFF industry. And then number two, I want to ask you um, sort of about uh, the, the people that you have coached, the people that, that have brought you on and, and the people that are, are sort of the, the Linkowski, you know, we always talk about the Shanahan coaching tree. There's a Linkowski uh, fantasy football tree in HSFF right now with uh, some players uh, playing in the football guys players championship I want you to talk about both those aspects, uh, please, sir. Yes, thank you. So my first year I brought in, my brother Jamie uh, introduced me to fantasy football. And after one year of just a local rinky-dink league, my wife saw an ad in a magazine at the supermarket about the WCOFS. And as anybody that plays fantasy football knows, regardless if you're paying for $100 or a million dollars, you put a lot of time and energy into this. And my wife said, if you're going to do it, go for the big bucks. So yes. we, enrolled, we enrolled in the WCOFF 
and we only lasted there a couple of years, and uh, we won uh, the league one year there and have been with the FFPC ever since. Since then, I have three sons, uh, Mark, Paul, and Nick, who all own uh, Football Guys 350 leagues who have all won their respective leagues, and they're all basically in college and at their local universities. All their friends are in at the University of Florida, the University of Alabama. I got, grand, I got godsons in Asheville, North Carolina who are in, and I got even a, a niece who's a dentist in Scranton, Pennsylvania who plays fantasy football. So, you know, we've spread ah. the word very well for FFPC. Um, and then the other thing I'd like to say is, you know, we, I listen to a lot of your podcasts and, you know, I'm a little different than maybe the average guy where most guys come on and, you know, they want to take full credit for it. I, I got a great uh, group of friends that I trust unexpectedly with uh, their football knowledge. And uh, basically I have an uncle in Baltimore who's been playing fantasy football since the late seventies and eighties. And every Monday wow. morning, he'd have to go to the newspaper and manually do his score to see if he won for that respective week. And then I got a buddy, Dan Demler, in Boston, who basically taught me in the early 2000s what it takes to, you know, build a winning lineup, and it's all about points every week. And most recently, I got two very close friends right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Dave Chioda, who by himself has been on your show already. Oh, yeah. He's a very yep. uh, respective player has won multiple prize monies but my most my most uh my how can i say it my american express don't leave home without him is robert finkel i literally talk to him two to three times a day we're a good mix robert's more of an analytical guy put it on a computer i'm more old school when i go to a draft i have two sheets of paper and i go old school but listen my success is based on a lot of people I take their input, and ultimately you're, you're the one that's got to click the button, start or sit, so I take responsibility for that. But I wouldn't be here today without those, those four in particular. All right, so this that is interesting. Is this is fascinating stuff here that, that we get into. So how do you, um, Rob, how do you know Dave Sciotto, who, is, who has not only been on this show, but he's been on the high stakes uh, uh, lowdown on rotoviz.com before. How did you guys get hooked up? How do you know each other? Great question. We're both from Pittsburgh, and we would always come out to Vegas on the 6 a.m. Thursday morning flight. And no lie, for probably five years, he looked at me on the airplane. I looked at him. Finally, I said, uh, what are you going to Vegas for? He goes, I'm going for fantasy football, FFPC. I did too. <laughs> and we struck a great friendship. And we, we probably talked, you know, two, three times a week and bounce ideas off. And the nice thing about whether it's Dave, Robert, or any of these guys, we don't hide anything. You know, he, Dave fully discloses, Robert fully discloses, and then we use it to fit our model, what we're trying to do with our teams. Okay, so so this is the other great thing I want to bring up too. Um, you talked about the the eye test, essentially watching football versus the analytics. Um, and yep. and you, it sounds like you you are better at one than the other, but you welcome yep. the opposing viewpoint. How much do you weigh that in in not only drafting but sending your lineups and waiver bids uh, each and every week, Rob? Yeah, so I'll talk to my confidants and basically ask them, you know, who should we be looking for here? Where should we draft this guy? What position can we wait on here? And ultimately, the way I've tried to teach my kids is, you know, we all want to try and win and win some money, but this is entertainment. So I said, hey, if you love Tyreek Hill, draft him. Okay, like, you know, but as you guys know this too, Eric and Farrell, you know, you fall in love with your players real fast when they start putting points up for you, you know, 
So um, I, I'm more of if I love a guy, I'm going to draft him even if it's a reach over another guy because I want to root for him. But I also use the analytics. It's nothing like far-fetched that I'm drafting a fifth-round pick in the first round, you know. Um, I okay. certainly know. Over I don't think, Balky, you know, Balky, I don't, I don't think that the eye test and the analytics necessarily oppose each other. Lots of times they're going to link up. And and I I think that's probably what what Rob is uh, is is doing is a validation of what he's seeing. Rob, I certainly wouldn't speak for you because you speak very very well for yourself. I can tell you make friends easy. I think everyone after they listen to this podcast they want to be an honorary Linkowski. That's what I want to go on. You know, but, you know probably our listeners do want to know one thing, and, I, and I'll ask a couple of personal questions here because you, you yep. gave a great lineup of family here. Uh, how old are you, sir? I'm 54 years old. That's a great number. I, I imagine also our listeners in and around that age would be interested to know if your wife has any sisters that may be single. I think that would be something <laughs> that that would be – that that I you know we got a lot of guys I mean I've got a list that would be interested in in knowing the the answer uh, to that. Are, are you a lifelong born and bred Pennsylvania? You got kids going to uh, yep. school in the SEC. Um, I do. You you uh, hit it right on the nail. Uh, we we live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm born and bred here, and uh, we're we're true blood SEC. My daughter Lauren went to the University of Georgia. I got a son, Mark, at the University of Florida, and I got a son, Paul, at the University of Alabama. So I'm all SEC, and as you can tell by my roster, probably half my roster is SEC. So. Well, you've seen, you've seen right, some so, uh, so, fantastic Carol, football. Carol, I, I want to I ask a non-fantasy football question right now. And you, okay. have, you, have, um, off, you have offspring in Georgia. You have offspring in Florida. So when it comes to the world's largest cocktail party, Georgia versus Florida every year, what are you wearing to that? Because I know you're drinking, okay. you're, you're drinking whatever uh, down, you, you know, like whatever they're drinking in the South of Moonshine or whatever. Are you wearing the Bulldogs gear, the Gators gear? Okay, great question. We, we've been to the cocktail party. My wife buys a T-shirt from each, splits it in half, and she represents both. But I'm going to upset my sons here because <laughs> she was my firstborn. I'm kind of more Bulldogs here, so I, I'm a Georgia Bulldog over to Florida Gators. And, and right. I think that's the correct play. That's the correct play this year, given given yes. how the SEC and the college football playoff is, has gone uh, so far. I actually made – and I'll, I'll, we're going to move on to fantasy here uh, shortly, but I made a bet um, several months ago on Georgia to win the college football playoff this year. It's looking good right now. I hope they can close Absolutely. it out. Absolutely. Much like – Yes. We hope we hope that you can close it out in the FFPC main event, Robin. And Farrell wants to ask you a question about how you handled your second round pick this uh, in this 12th place team because you had a lot of options here and you went with sort of a, 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 a off the beaten path uh, um, uh, selection here as far as running backs go because. You drafted a guy outside of ADP, right, Farrell? I off the beaten path, and I will get to that fantasy football. But you know, Rob, I can't miss. Did you notice when Balky started talking? And, and Balky is an honorary Kentuckian. He's been okay. here so often. He's going to be a Kentucky Colonel in another five years just for coming. But did you <laughs> see when he was talking about whatever? Did you catch that? Whatever they drink in the South, moonshine or yeah. whatever it is. Can you <laughs> imagine? Did you? Did you I just it's, 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 despite the but anyway. You know, 
you understand who the ball players are, you being a lifetime Pittsburgh yep. native. I I'm so impressed with what is going on with Najee Harris. Now, last week yep. I watched the Detroit Steelers game that resulted in a tie. And I also yep. saw that Najee Harris carried the ball 26 times for over 100 yards. But they're in a very closely contested game, scoring opportunities limited, weather questionable, backup quarterback playing. They had a first and five. Uh, first and goal from the five. Yes. And they passed three times without handing the ball to Najee Harris. In other words, the Steelers may not know who Najee Harris is, but uh, Rob certainly does. And in this draft, you went, uh, you put Harris in front of Barkley, uh, you put Harris in front of uh, Ezekiel, mm-hmm. and you put Harris in front of Antonio Gibson. Uh, was that by design, or was it, Was it uh, as they say in the movie, uh, Najee Harris, no matter what? Absolutely. So, actually, <laughs> um, in full disclosure, I, was cons- I had the eighth pick. I was considering taking Najee Harris at eight in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then I wanted to grab either Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill. Devontae Adams went right before me, so I grabbed Tyreek Hill, and I was, had my fingers crossed. Personally, I think Bar- Barkley's just damaged goods. He just can't stay healthy. Ezekiel Elliott, I think he's getting to the end of his rope. And uh, I like Najee, and I saw the Steelers, basically it was Najee's backfield, first down, second down, third down, which was evident week one against Buffalo. He didn't come off the field. He played 100% of the plays. And just to let you know, Bulky, I think I broke a remote last Sunday when they were first and goal at the five, and they threw it three times with Mason Rudolph. So... But it was absolutely by design. I was thrilled to have Najee Harris in the second round. And just to give you a little plug, my friends, my my, my buddies, uh, my son's roommates at Alabama, they make fun of me because I call him Najee and his name's Najee. But I'm going to keep calling mm-hmm. him Najee until he does, until he proves me wrong. So, <laughs> well, yeah. Listen, Steve Levy will be thrilled to hear that from you uh, for certain. Let me ask you this as a follow up um, to, to that Harris question, Rob. So when you – and I don't know if this is an SEC thing or not, and if it's not, that's fine. But I'm just kind of yep. curious. Do you tend to go with the rookie running – the hyped-up rookie running back that is going in the second round or third round um, over the more proven commodities because of, you know, the, the potential higher ceiling? You know, because I, yes. I, I look at what you did with Harris, and, and like, there's a lot of upside there. No, and we'll, we'll get into more Najee Harris coming up in a little bit there. But there's a lot of upside there. Um, with no competition for touches in the backfield, whereas Ezekiel Elliott had Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley mm-hmm. had the knee injury, and, and there was no warts with Harris. Do you find yourself drafting those young rookie running backs higher than the more proven guys? I do. I just think, you know, anymore now, as you guys know this, the life the lifelong of a running back anymore is three or four years. So, like, for Ezekiel, I actually had the advantage. I drafted Friday, so I saw Zeke Thursday night. And to me, he just looked slow. And, uh, you know, the young guy, Najee, I was very familiar with him from going to Alabama games. And I said, you know, I, like I told you, I was going to take him first round. If Tyreek Hill would have went, I would have taken Najee Harris first round. So I was, I was thrilled to get him at second yeah. round and – you know, a lot of things fell in my lap in the draft that it just worked out well. So, Okay, so um, I want to move on and, and talk about uh, the receiver position. 
because one yes. of the most talked about things we had on this program, Rob, uh, in the off season or in the drafting season was Mike Williams taking over the X uh, receiver position in Joe Lombardi's offense in LA. Of course, he ran that offense in New Orleans when Michael Thomas yes. was that receiver. So knowing yes. that, that these reports were out in drafting season, knowing all this, how much of an influence was that in, in you saying, okay, you know what, Williams is still out there here in the 10th round. I'm going to grab him based on what I'm hearing here. I, I just want to get your input on, on how that whole thing went down. That, uh, that, a lot. So basically, just like you said, we knew Mike Williams was going to run that X position that Michael Thomas did for the Saints with Lombardi. And then the other thing, too, is I kind of like um, I had earmarked Justin Herbert as my quarterback. And once I got Herbert, you know, like Dave Chiota and I and Robert mm. Finkel talk a lot about, you know, what's wrong with Mike Williams in the 10th, the lot as, given like Keenan Allen in the 4th. So, you know, there wasn't much difference. Now, in the first five weeks, I was looking like a, you know, a genius there with Mike Williams. Now it's kind of flipped the other way where Keenan Allen's getting the lion's share. But I think Mike Williams, I think this week, Mike Williams is going to have a big week. The coach came out saying we've got to get him back involved. But absolutely right. I liked pairing him up with Justin Herbert. But absolutely, I, when I heard that, that they were going to run him out of Michael Thomas's position, that, 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 that's all I needed to hear. L.A. Chargers stack has been a winning stack all year. You know, I yes, I I saw that Ezekiel Elliott first game too, but it did not it did not sway me from uh, trying to put together a Dallas Cowboys stack. And amongst those, they they've been my more successful teams featuring Ezekiel Elliott. But one thing that I could not get out of my skull. And we've, we've brought it up ad nauseum, Rob, on this show. I mean, I have broken my arm patting myself on the back for taking Dalton Schultz <laughs> into the 18th, 19th, yeah. and 20th round, you know. And, and he, I mean, that's an important, tied in a very, very important position in our FFPC, which everybody knows that. Schultz is on tap. He may end up 70 catches, 800 yards, five or six TDs. He's yet to have that outlier game. He's been steady with four, five, six catches. Um, And and so I'm trying to find out, everyone that has him, what led them to taking him. Because I was always tempted to take him earlier. And and in reviewing your draft, we saw that Jarwin actually went before Dalton, something that I never really understood but was happy about. Um, Mm -hmm. What what prompted you to take him, especially when you're there at the draft and you see that someone has grabbed Jarwin, could you have waited a little longer? And is he your number one tight end? Is he a flex tight end? Where does he fit in your roster that's been so successful to navigate itself into 12th spot overall? Balky, you're not going to believe this, but like last Thanksgiving, I can remember, I, I kind of keep in mind like when I'm in, in the playoffs playing teams, and I remember last thir- Thanksgiving, Dak Prescott just kept feeding Dalton Schultz. So he was always in the back of my mind. And then, again, I witnessed that Thursday night game against Tampa, and he got like six, seven targets. And I said, I could live with this guy as my number one. And in full disclosure, what really helped my draft was, um, this is going to sound crazy bulky, other than week one, I haven't played Dalton Schultz because – uh, Mark Andrews, who was going around 3.8 to 4.4, he slipped all the way to 5.8 for me. So for me, that was unbelievable wow. value. Yeah. So I grabbed Mark Andrews in the fifth. So 
basically, you know, I went Tyree Kill, Najee Harris. I went Terry McLaurin, who slipped to me. Uh, Cooper Cup in the fourth, which we all know he's winning everybody's leagues right now. And then Andrew's in the fifth. So when I got to Dalton Schultz, I knew I had like 13 points in the bag that I could plug in there. And it's, it's, it's funny, FFP that first week, you're allowed to put players in and out off that Thursday game. So I think the first week I was trailing by like three points. And, you know, sometimes these fantasy, these wins are hard to come by. I sat Mark Andrews, plugged uh, Schultz's 13 in and took the win. And it turned out Andrews didn't do much week one, but he's been steady. And in another uh, crazy thing, a gentleman in our league, uh, Mike Gasicki, went zero week one. I don't know if you remember that. And yeah. somebody yep. ironically cut him. So I remember, again, I consulted oh. with Robert Finkel, and I said, I'm going to bankroll about 400 of my $1,000 on Gasicki. So basically, I got Andrews, Gasicki, and, and uh, Schultz. So I'm very loaded there at tight end, but you, you know how it goes with bye weeks and injuries. You never know. Dalton Schultz could play an integral part of uh, hopefully uh, a long run for us here. Damn straight. Okay, so this is – this is this is good. This is good leading to my next question here. Um okay. and, and this is a question that's coming from the chat room uh tonight tonight, Rob. Um Wasp guy, Hudson Kern Reeve, our professor from Cornell, he wants to know how much are you upgrading Michael Gallup this weekend, knowing that Amari Cooper is on the COVID nineteen list and won't be eligible for sure this week, maybe not even Thanksgiving week as as, as well. Um, what do you like about or, or how good do you like Gallup this week? And I, I guess this kind of goes into the Dalton Schultz thing, too. It's like, okay, all those Cooper targets are going to have to go somewhere. Are they going to go to Gallup yes. um, exclusively? Absolutely. Or are they going to yeah. maybe some of them matriculate to Dalton Schultz as well? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're lo- they're looking at a high-scoring game in Kansas City. I think Gallup would probably be my number one sleeper this week, even if uh, Cooper was playing, because they were going to move uh, C.D. Lamb back to his natural position to slot. And uh, I think now with uh, Cooper out, it's got to go to Gallup and Schultz, and, you know, they're going to need points to beat Kansas City. So I think Gallup's a great sleeper pick this week, and even Dalton Schultz, absolutely. I think when, we, when, we, when you look at this at that Dallas-Kansas uh, City game, and I was saying this on my, on my local fantasy show here in northeast Wisconsin, it's, like, it's, it's kind of the Buffalo Bills thing. You just want any kind of piece of it, right? And, and yeah, the, yeah. Piece, um, the piece has got bigger, right, with, with no Cooper – the piece for Lamb gets bigger, the piece for Schultz gets bigger, for Elliott, for Pollard, for Gallup, for everybody, um, it, yeah. you know, with this news. So unless you own Amari Cooper, you're kind of happy uh, about this uh, for fantasy. Okay, so I want to bring this back now to the running back situation, and this is a philosophical drafting question here uh, that I have for you, Rob. When, when we got into drafting season, um, there was no widespread got-to-have-it backup for Najee Harris. There is no yes. widespread gotta have it backup for Damian Harris. You drafted yes. both these guys in your main event, and I'm wondering how much that factor went into it, knowing if you wanted to back either of these guys up, handcuff e- e- either one of these guys, knowing it would be a, a difficult thing to do since we didn't know who it was. How much did that go into you know, drafting these guys, knowing that, oh, if I draft these guys, that opens up a couple of roster spots where I can go for broke, and hopefully increase my variance and try to get that $500,000 grand prize. How did you, um, how, how much of that did, did that factor into those running back draft decisions? 
a lot too there, Eric, again, because I knew Najee was going to be the guy. And then, you know, Damian Harris, the, ba- the way I've kind of built my teams over the years is if you got a, if you got a big number one runner, and I already had Najee Harris, and it, I try and load up at the wide receiver position, four receivers, and if I got a good tight end, that second runner a lot of times for me barely has a pulse. Like, you know, he's like a third down back. Give me right. a couple catches. Give me eight to ten points, and I'll take it. I was thrilled to get Damian Harris. I had to take him in the FFPC format in the sixth round. So I knew Damian Harris wasn't going to catch the ball much because they had James White and now the Bolden. But, and, 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 you know, that can turn, too, as I listened to your show before I came on. You know, now it's looking like that's a 50-50 split for the early downs with Damian Harris and Stevenson. So that might hurt me in the long run. But initially, I was thrilled to, to just to have that steady, you know, pound-the-rock kind of guy, Damian Harris. You know, guys, we're we're celebrating a lot of players that would propel a team to, to number twelve. I I think about you know Dalton Schultz. Just uh, I don't want to continue to harp on Dalton, but you know, here's a player that's contributed, and and so I assume Rob, you've been largely injury free because yes, you, I- you you yeah you just you just have to be because you never even had a chance to flex in uh, the Schultz at tight end. So you know. You've had a glorious run here, and you've made all the right moves. I'm very proud of you. I want to talk about – I want to bring it a little bit down to earth. I want to, I want to talk about the poor souls who aren't doing as well and if they have any reason to expect to do better. You know, when you go to the Chicago Bears, uh, you're looking at a young quarterback that's it's very, very exciting except in fantasy football. I don't see the arm talent there. I don't see anything happening to help us. With the two receivers now, I've never been an Allen Robinson guy, um, and and it was easy not to be one this year. However, yeah. the guy that I can never avoid from this roster is 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 Darnell Mooney. You put hey one more thing about Dalton Schultz. How much money would I have won if I had told you? Guess what? In week eleven, Dalton Schultz is going to have more touchdown receptions than Mooney. And Robinson combined, you know, you, <laughs> I you know. think I was absolutely correct, but that is the case. So, are you know, look, I'm sure fantasy managers that have Robinson have long given up on him, or they would have had a personal set of circumstances that have allowed them to win without using him as their third round draft pick. I think, but yes. would you play Mooney, who's having a better year? Would you play Mooney in front of Robinson, or would Absolutely. you play Mooney at all? Do you see any future for these two guys who are shackled by the exciting rookie quarterback that does not that that does not have a quarterback rating substantive enough to feed these receivers the ball? Yes, I wouldn't have a problem at all with Darnell Mooney because, you know, they came into Pittsburgh here Monday night and he caught a bunch of balls, caught a touchdown. Robinson, I can't understand because, in full disclosure, if Terry McLaurin wasn't on the board for me at three, Robinson was my next guy because he's another guy years past. So that's that's the luck of the draw, too. Like, if the guy in front of me takes McLaurin, I take Robinson – I mean, they force-fed Allen Robinson up until this year. I'd be very skeptical to play Robinson, but I'd have no problem playing Mooney. I think they'd get him those little bubble screens and quick slants, you know. Maybe it's forthcoming. I. Yep. Yeah, no, it could be. It could be. And this is interesting, too, to, to know how close it was to, to having Robinson on this team. 
um, rather than McLaurin, uh, which is crazy yeah. uh, when you think about, yeah. uh, you know, the plug-in plays there that, that could have ex- exhibited. Uh, plug-in plays over the last couple of weeks with this Nick Chubb situation, um, the, the big name has been Dearness Johnson. Now, Nick yeah. Chubb is back this week. We know he's cleared protocol. He's going to be playing. However, there is no Kareem Hunt uh, this week. Yes. There is no Odell Beckham in, in Cleveland. So I just I got to ask you, Rob, how good of a flex still is Dearness Johnson knowing that Nick, uh, Nick Chubb is going to be back handling the lion's share of the touches against the Lions? I have no problem with Dearness Johnson as a flex. I mean, I watched him that Monday night against Denver. He's like shot out of a cannon. And I think, you know, those Browns, they're a heavy run offense with uh, Chubb and Hunt. I think Johnson would fill in that role. And not to mention, it always helps that you got to play Detroit this weekend. So I would have no problem playing Dearness Johnson as my two-runner or flex, absolutely. We don't have to waste much time on this because Balky and I covered it very early, and we both came to the conclusion that uh, Hawkinson is a start at tight end. Now, you have obviously got the magic touch at tight end, so I'd like you to weigh in on that with Boyle, the backup quarterback, your thoughts about the uh, Detroit Lions, uh, what I consider an elite tight end, who I expect to have a number of catches uh, this weekend. Uh, your thoughts on Hawkinson, Rob? Yeah, it's just hard. I mean, Hawkinson you probably took in the third or fourth round, so it's hard to – unless you got a viable option, you kind of got to go with them. There's two ways of looking at it. We both know Tim Boyles, know, uh, you know Peyton Manning, but on the same token, too, I think a lot of times those tight ends are security blankets, and you guys know, too. Those 1.5 point per reception tight ends, you get four, five, six balls, you got a good day real quick, even if they're like, you know, five, ten-yard catches. So I'd be okay with, with playing Hawkinson against uh, Cleveland, and they're going to have to throw it. So I'd have no problem playing him. Yeah, and I and I think that's going to be the popular opinion. Um, you know, when people are like, we're in the over-analysis season, right? Paralysis mm. by analysis. Think long, think wrong. Um, you have Hawkinson yeah. on your team. You drafted him for a reason, regardless of if it's – how much of a drop-off is there from Goff to Boyle? I don't think there's a whole lot. And, and that's been, the, you know, the prevailing opinion here in northeast Wisconsin that I've talked to um, with people over the last 36 to 48 hours um, about Tim Boyle is like, you know, they love Boyle, uh, the, the guys okay. that covered him uh, for the Packers up here. They thought he was very, very good. They thought he was going to be a starter or could be a starter in the league someday. So are you really going to bench TJ Hawkinson based on that? I don't think so. I own Hawkinson in probably well over, well over a half dozen leagues, well over. He is not sitting in any of those leagues. I am riding or dying with TJ Hawkinson this week. And I feel good about it for sure. Hey, Eric, you said it best. Can't do any worse than Jared Goff, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, quite, quite, and we, talk, I, my, my um, afternoon show, my afternoon sports talk show, I do in Northeast Wisconsin. We said, uh, my co-host and I were talking the day, and we're like, what happens if Boyle against Cleveland throws for, let's say, 270, 280 yards, two or three touchdowns? There's no reason yeah. for the Lions to play golf. They're not going no. anywhere this season. Maybe there nope. is something there with Boyle. You know, maybe this is yeah. something they want to see. They have it, and they cultivate this over, you know. So there's definitely a non-zero chance of Boyle um, doing very, very well this week. And we shall see yeah. what happens there uh, because they are not there. There's, there's not a lot of future with Jared Goff in Detroit. Okay, 
Let's get uh, some emails here for you, Rob. Uh, first one is mm-hmm. from Jake in Platt, South Dakota. He writes, hey, Rob, okay to fire up Chase Claypool on my high-stakes lineups in Week 11. Claypool coming off the injury. Looks like he is going to be participating this week, no question. Um, are you nervous at all about firing him up right away his first week back, Rob? Nope. I'd fire him up Sunday night against the Chargers. And uh, I, I just heard from Pittsburgh here, Ben's got to pass two COVID tests. I think he passed his first one today. So hopefully he gets Ben Roethlisberger back, and uh, I think we'll get Claypool. I, I'd start him with no reservation. Yes. Yeah, and Farrell, I'd ask you what you thought about Claypool here, but you were probably, regardless of Roethlisberger's or, or Rudolph's status, you were benching Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs. You're benching all those guys in, flavor, uh, in favor of Claypool, right? <laughs> Well, now, Balky, let's don't be silly. But you know what? I would play uh, – <laughs> I, I would uh, I would probably play uh, Claypool with Najee Harris at quarterback. I, I believe in, in – <laughs> yeah. I believe in what Pittsburgh's doing when they're doing it through Claypool. Uh, and perhaps, fellas, that was the problem last week. The offensive coordinator forgot the first and goal from the five that he did not have Claypool available. Right, right. Sometimes the the best teaching mechanisms are your mistakes, and that's true in any walk of life. Hopefully that cleans uh, everything up for Pittsburgh this week. Okay, Rob, one more question for you from the emails. This is Justin in San Diego, and he wants to know, if Miles Sanders is active, should I play him as a flex in my FFPC main event this week, or is that too aggressive? Okay, so we know that uh, Nick Sirianni said, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, he said, look, if Miles Sanders is healthy, uh, he's our number one back. They get the Saints this week. I haven't seen the latest on if he's going to be cleared or not. But if he is, can he be a start in the FFPC main event, Rob? I'd tread very carefully with Miles Sanders. He grew up here in, in uh, western Pennsylvania, and, and here's what I, I know about him. He's had like three different coaches, right? None of those coaches have made him the feature back. And the funny thing is, once he got hurt, they started running the ball great. Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, mm-hmm. Gainwell. Like, I don't know what it is, but whichever it's the coordinator or the head coach, nobody has given this guy the free reins, like the full backfield. Mm-hmm. I'm nervous with uh, – Miles Sanders was one guy that I was, try- I was avoiding in the uh, draft just – I'd love to take him. He's a very talented guy, but for whatever reason, every coach in Philadelphia doesn't trust him. So I'd, I'd go careful there if you got a better option. Right, I sure don't want to play any question. running. Oh, go ahead, Bucky. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Farrell. All right. So well, I just want to say right I sure don't want to play yeah. any running back against the New Orleans Saints. None whatsoever. Right. Yeah, yeah. no, uh, I don't it's, it. it's not a good situation. And, and by the way, um, Sirianni, uh, the latest that we got from him today, this is roughly, uh, God, I don't know, about four hours ago, uh, he said that he remains uncertain if Sanders is going to play against the Saints. So when it's, when it's a situation like this, just find somebody else because I think you'll, you'll like things a lot better, um, yeah. you know, if you don't have to worry about Miles Sanders on Sunday. Okay, question for all of us guys, Rob, Farrell, me, everybody. Kern Reeve in the chat room wants to know, who is the best defense to deploy this weekend? Now, I'm going to say this right now, and I think it's inarguable at this point. The best defense to deploy this weekend is the one you deployed last night. New England Patriots. Absolutely. Kentucky scoring, Kentucky scoring 
36 points last night with the pick six, with the shutout. Um, they picked off, I believe they picked off three quarterbacks for Atlanta last night. Matt Ryan, yes, um, uh, Josh Rosen, and uh, Felipe Franks. The trifecta, which it, it, they pulled off, it was incredible. Okay, so I will say as far as uh, defenses go that you can still play, the ones that I like yep. this week, and you guys can let me know what you think. I think Cleveland against Tim Boyle. I know we talked about Tim Boyle, but I still think Cleveland's a good defense to, to play this mm-hmm. week. Obviously, Tennessee against the Texans. I like them. The Dolphins, even though they're on the road, they get the Jets and Joe Flacco. I think they're solid. I, bet, I played the San Francisco defense, uh, or I'm going to be playing the San Francisco defense in a lot of Kentucky leagues this week at Jacksonville. I like them as well. Uh, so those are a few of my favorites. Um, and, and, Rob, uh, before I throw it to Farrell, let me get some of yours, um, the, the defenses that you like this week in Week 11 as, uh, as smart plays. Eric, you hit them all. And uh, you, if you look at my FFPC lineup, I picked up this team two weeks ago because I saw the matchup. I got the Tennessee Titans starting for me this week, buddy. So I'm in on Tennessee. Good for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I think that's a great start. Farrell, what about you, man? I think you guys have hit all of it. There's there's some – Cincinnati intrigues me because I, I don't know if that Raiders situation has developed out of control where uh, there's just too many things going on away from the field there. So that that's a, that's a question mark. And uh, uh, the Chargers have a hard time putting anyone away and if the defense would step up, although they've got players – that uh, that may not play at key positions. So, Balky, I think you hit them all. And Miami, with what remains, Miami would be my uh, my favorite start against uh, the Jets, uh, who will be challenged as we recognize who their quarterback is with the immobile Flacco. It's going to be difficult yeah. for them. Um, the uh, look, Rob, this is the hardest question on the board because. It, I got two questions. The first one's hard. The second one's always easier. Uh, okay. But we want to know who is a stud player that could stink it up this weekend. Everything's going smoothly for you. Uh, and, and other guys, things might be going smoothly for them. But who's the one guy that could really make, you know, kind of rock your boat on the way to the championship? And then – Man, there's a lot of guys getting their first opportunity this weekend. So who is the sleeper that you might vault into a lineup if you had, in fact, had some issues uh, with injury or bye weeks or a combination of both? Okay, I think the sleeper, I would go Michael Gallup, like we already touched on. The, the, mm-hmm. the stud that I think that might stink it up this week, and I know this guy's winning in a lot of leagues for a lot of people, I'm worried about Jonathan Taylor going up to Buffalo. Wow. I think, Ooh, you know, Taylor's funny. been a – I like it. Yeah, Taylor's been a monster. But Buffalo, I saw what – you know, that defense, I mean, they're going to be focusing on him. I, I, I think, uh, you know, you know, temper your expectations if you're a Jonathan Taylor owner. But uh, you can't – you got to play him. But uh, don't, don't, don't think he's going to go for 300, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm well, with thank you, you. I think and, those are and, good ones. Um, and, and I'll tell you this, and I don't know if we, I don't think we've touched, I've done so many fantasy shows this week, I can't remember if we've touched on what we haven't. But Saquon Barkley, Monday night, now it sounds like he's going to play. I'm unconvinced, yes. Rob, if he is going to get his normal share 
you know, especially if Booker's yeah. active. I'm, I'm, a, yeah. I, and and so and against such a talented front seven in Tampa. Yes. I'm not sure if he's a great play this week. I don't. Do you own Barkley anywhere? How are you treating him? I don't. I, I, like I said, I only have the one team. I don't own Barkley, but uh, yeah, Tampa Bay is a tough front seven to run on. So um, yeah, that's a. I wouldn't look for a big day out of Barkley Monday night either. What do you got for sleepers for us, my friend? Uh, you know, the only thing I'd say is like a Michael uh, Gallup, and then I think uh, some other guys I think that are going to have some big weeks. I think Joe Mixon's in for a big week against the Raiders, and I think Mark Ingram against yep. Philly. I like what I like what Mark Ingram's doing because I think Kamara's out again. Yes. Yeah, he That's is, right. and 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 it and it's it's uh, like it's weird because I had so much com- so many Kamara shares last year. I only got a handful yeah. this year, but I have a ton of Mark yeah. Ingram shares this year, so I'm very <laughs> excited for that. Um, going forward, because I think Ingram is, is, is going to be big this week. A guy who is big uh, on this program, and we, and we certainly appreciate you hopping aboard tonight, um, Rob Linkowski. What, what a great job you did on the show. Uh, cannot thank you enough for hopping aboard. And listen, man, we hope the ball bounces your way, and, and hopefully yes. you, you end up cashing that half million dollars. And if you do, we're going to have you back on these airways, man. Uh, enjoy your night. Enjoy your weekend. And good luck the rest of the way, dude. Hey, thank you for having me on. And again, Eric and Farrell, you guys do a great job, and I appreciate everything you do. And keep up the good work. I listen to your podcast very frequently. So, Well, thank good you. Good man. We thank you. That. Thank, thank you. Rob Linkowski, right. everybody, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, good, good to talk to him uh, tonight. Flattery will get you everywhere. And uh, <laughs> it, it's always good, Farrell, when we have a, when we have a listener on as a, on as a guest who is in, you know, 12th place in the FFPC main event. So listen to the oh, show. Yeah. And, um, I, and I don't know if it's always our content and, and our analysis and our advice, but sometimes it ends up being our guest's advice uh, that, that proves uh, to be the best. So thank you to Rob Linkowski oh, yeah. for hopping aboard tonight. Okay, let's go, um, so, uh, let's go rapid fire on these uh, okay. emails tonight. I'm going to get through. I'm going to get through at least three. Well, we might have a chance for four here. Chuck and George. I don't know if we've ever had a dual emailer before, but we have one tonight. Chuck and Chuck George, George in Cambridge, Chuck Massachusetts. He says, or, or they say, which Giants receiver do we start on Monday night? Kenny Galladay or Kadarius Tony? That is Chuck and George in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, thank you for the email. This is interesting because both of them, Farrell got taken off the injured uh, injury report today. So they both should be a full go. If you could only play one, is it going to be the rookie Tony or is it going to be the big free agent signing Kenny Galladay? Ooh, Chuck and George, you, you've obviously got problems. You might need to play both these guys. If for some reason you're in week 11 with two giant receivers on your team, Kadarius Tony comes home to Florida. He's the, he's the high ceiling guy. And I, He's been a fantastic player that I've promoted uh, throughout the draft. And it was a surprise when he went to the Giants. We've had that conversation before. Two Packer says no Galladay. Two Packer is right. Now, Galladay, 19 catches on the season. He has to have a game against this secondary, and he looked pretty good in running his routes last week. Against this secondary, I think he could do well. So the question is not which one, but if you only got one spot, if you're trailing by a lot of points, 
and you need a big bump, Kadarius Tony is your guy. If you're a winning team like Mr. Linkowski, if you're a winning team but you've got to fill a role this week and 15 points is what you're after, a guaranteed, I, I would go with Galladay. So each serves their purpose, but I think both receivers uh, could finally have games that would make you um, that would make you say, yeah, I can see what the Giants uh, saw in this guy. Tony's been hurt by injury, uh, Galladay injury, and and just just you know, it's just kind of like he has a snake in his pocket. Although football fans don't really have pockets, you know. As, as Balky, one thing about the sleeper, I was hoping that Mr. Linkowski would give us. Mr. Gronkowski as a sleeper, but he didn't. I thought that might happen, though, but he did not do that. So there's my sleeper for the weekend. Gronk is back. There you go. Well, if our resident Polish uh, former co-host slash listener slash player Dave the Dizzle Gerzak was still on the program, I guarantee he would have made Rob choose Rob Gronkowski this week. For uh, you know, obviously the 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 uh, the last name is um, you know lined in step. With, uh, with the lineage, Bob Linkowski. Gerzak is 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 hugely, massively Polish, massively Polish. Gerzak's not like, Polish. He's well from Wisconsin. 50%. What are you? No, 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 no. I'm I'm telling you. I'm telling. You, listen, he he was not born in Poland or anything like that. But his the majority right, of his ancestors, 100 percent from Poland. He's got Polish ancestry. Really? He's got German ancestry. Um, those are the big. Those are the big two. Um, he might have some English in there as well. I don't know, but I know Polish and German. I mean, everybody, you, they don't let you into Wisconsin unless you have German ancestry. So everybody has German well, ancestry. He's part here. Irish. But yeah. He's got red hair. He's part Irish. Irish, yes. That was the other one. Irish yeah, was the other one, Irish. for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's from Wisconsin. Um, to piggyback on the Giants receiver question, and Kern Reeve is pointing this out. Um, Sterling Shepard came back to practice today with that quad injury. Does that affect what you do on Monday night with either Galladay or Tony, um, or is your analysis probably more with, Tony? I probably yeah. like Tony. I probably like Tony yeah. better if, with with Shepard in there. But you know, look, we're going we're going up against a team that are going to score a lot of points here. That's got some problems in the secondary. More problems this weekend than they've had all year because they got more injury issues than they've had all year. Uh, there's no help out there for this Tampa secondary. They're just going to have to play better and they're going to have to get healthy. And they can't do that between now and Sunday. So it should be a game for the Giants. And you, you guys, uh, um, uh, you and Rob were talking about while I I listened. You're, you're talking about that backfield, and, and I have to agree with you both. Uh, uh, you know, Barkley and, and, and Booker, it, uh, I, I wish it was one of them. I wish it was Booker uh, yeah. that was going to play this yeah. weekend. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on and, and, and talk a little bit about some, um, some tight ends here. This is Joe in okay. Irvine, California. Hi, guys. Rough week for me with no Higby, no fans. Which tight end do I go with, C.J. Uzuma or Jared Cook? Appreciate you. That is Joe in Irvine, California. Joe, thank you so much for listening and emailing. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, C.J. Uzuma at your Raiders, Farrell, uh, is what mm-hmm. we're looking at right now. And then the other option that, that, um, that he has on the table right now is indeed Jared Cook, who is at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have a strong I don't have a strong feeling on this. I guess I would lean towards towards Cook, but I I don't know, man. 
Oh, no, Balky, you're leaning the wrong way. Uzuma, as long as you can pronounce it correctly, you put him in your lineup. The Raiders are <laughs> at the absolute bottom uh, at giving points up to tight ends this year. Uh, their their better play in the secondary is coming to corner is at the cornerback position. The middle of the field is very very vulnerable with what's going on out there right now. Uh, and and CJ uh, is is come out somewhat of his receiving shell this year. Plus he's been healthier than he's ever been before. This is a complete passing attack with Cincinnati Bengals, and for them to win. They've got to have the tight end involved. Having the tight end involved against the Raiders is the key to success. Uh, this is a this is an easy one. CJ, yeah, get him in your lap. All right. So clearly, Farrell was right. I was leaning the wrong way. I am with Uzuma on this one uh, for sure. Farrell is convinced me. That's how that's how uh, influential Farrell is. He talks for forty five mm. seconds, and I do a complete one eighty. That's how it is, ladies mm. and gentlemen. And hopefully, you take that to heart. All right. Let's go to quarterbacks. Hello, HSFFLer. Would you recommend benching Russell Wilson in favor of Cam Newton this week? And that's Rodney in Wichita, Kansas. So this is interesting. You have um, Russell Wilson coming off the mallet finger and the first time he's ever been shut out in his professional career when he came to Lambeau Field this past weekend. Um, you, you have a choice between starting him at home against the Arizona Cardinals or Cam Newton getting the start at home. Um, against the Washington football team and his former coach, Ron Rivera. I don't know if this is on Narrative Street, Farrell, but if you, I mean, would you have the chutzpah to bench Russell Wilson for Cam Newton this week? Absolutely not. You're you're overthinking it. You said paralysis by analysis. That's exactly what it is. There are some quarterbacks that I would not mind playing Cam Newton in front of this weekend. Some pretty good quarterbacks. Russell Wilson's not one of them. I like what's happening in the league this year. There's a lot of bounce back games this year. We certainly didn't see one from Atlanta, but uh, there are uh, situations and a narrative around the league where you can you can see one team gets has a rough week with good coaching and good players. They bounce back the following week. I think that's what's going to happen with Seattle against Arizona. A lot of points scored. Russell Wilson takes advantage of his elite receivers. Uh, Cam Newton is Cam Newton's not going to score a touchdown on every snap this week. All right, so I'm going to say this right now. Um, as far as the totals go on this game uh, this weekend, in that Washington at Carolina game, it's at 43 right now, which isn't great. But then you look at the Russell Wilson, which it seems to be a Kyler Murray game. That's at 48 right. right now, and the Seahawks are a dog. So I think for me, and I'm a pretty conservative guy when it comes to lineup setting and, and bidding and drafting and everything, I, I would say if you drafted Russell Wilson, Cam Newton is not enough for me to bench Wilson. I would still be playing Wilson over Newton. Now I'll say this. I have Matthew Stafford on by in seven, eight, maybe even nine leagues this week. I picked up Cam Newton in a bunch of those leagues, and I feel good about that start. However, if I had Russell Wilson on those teams, I would never be starting Newton. So that's where I land in uh, in totally um, of of the same mind as Farrell Elliott uh, tonight, ladies and gentlemen. All right, final question. This This is an interesting one. Jimmy in New York. Do I get super sharky this week with Deontay Foreman as my flex, or should I roll the dice with Miles Gaskin again? Happy Thanksgiving, guys. 
That's Jimmy in New York. Jimmy, thank you so much. We appreciate I don't know if this is Jimmy Wagner. It could be Jimmy Wagner. I didn't look at the email address. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I, I, wish, I wish Jimmy in New York a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, I, I think it's Foreman for me, Farrell. I love Foreman this week. I picked him up in a ton of Kentucky leagues, and, and maybe this is my bias talking here that I want him to do good, but I picked him up in a ton of leagues. I think he's the most talented running back in the Tennessee backfield. I think he's the best pass catcher in the Tennessee backfield. I think he showed it the last couple of weeks, and I think he's going to continue to show it. I'm going to play him over Miles Gaskin, and I know you love Gaskin, so I'd love to get your thoughts here. I really don't love Gaskin, uh, but I I drafted Gaskin, much to my disappointment. Right, you I, loved I, him in the, the love affair. The, the the love affair ended about week three, and we we've been uh, you know uh, now I you know we talked earlier about the eye test and the story versus the analytics, and I imagine the analytics might suggest. Gaskin, and, and, you know, the last game he slashed for a couple big yard, uh, gains down around the goal line and was stopped at the one, could have been a difference in fantasy ball. But it, it's, uh, no, Gaskin is uh, uniformly an underachiever. What I like about Foreman, Balky, and I think you're very astute in putting this player on your roster, you know, here's a guy uh, that that lost his opportunity to play professional football due to personal habits in a, in a professional way. He was late for meetings. He was disruptive. He didn't practice well. And they just got tired of it, and, and they sent him away. And the only reason that he is in the league to get an opportunity to play is that when in 2017, when he joined the Texans, um, Vrabel was the defensive coordinator, and he understood the first-round draft capital that the Texans put in this player. And, you know, he's a, he's a likable guy. And he spent the entire year out of football last year. So when you look at it from just a human standpoint, look at this player that's, who's fighting for his football life on a very good team with very good players around him. Uh, it's an intriguing story and one that I think that can and most likely will be successful. So that's that's what I will do. Gaskin has had his chances and has not delivered a fantasy gold to anyone. Foreman just might, and he might continue to do it as Tennessee gets on a run through the rest of the season. And and, and I'm with you, obviously, with how much I've invested in uh, Deontay Foreman. We will see what he does this week. I'm really, really liking it based on what I've seen so far and how cheap I've got him. I think this is a flex guy going forward and a minimum, especially Adrian Peterson, by the way, week eight, 21 yards rushing week nine, 21 yards rushing. Should we expect anything different week 10, 11 going forward? Probably not. McNichols has not wowed us either. This is a backfield that craves a stud running back. They might have one in Deontay Foreman. So if he's available in any of your FFPC main event, football guys, uh, FFPC league, whatever, Make sure you are putting a bid in him um, before the waiver wire runs on Sunday morning. Farrell, uh, great stuff again from you tonight. I don't know. And we haven't talked that we're having a production meeting on air here. I don't know what your schedule is like next Friday. I plan on doing a show. Would you be available at 10 o'clock Eastern time the day after Thanksgiving? Why wouldn't I be available a day after a holiday to talk uh, football? 
uh, with Eric Baldwin, one of the things I'd rather do than anything. I mean, I'm available on Thanksgiving Day. You need help on Christmas? I'm there on Christmas. And, and this, <laughs> you know, this show in Northeast Bill Ohio Ellis. that you do, I, I know there's a city involved with that. Like if I were to send a letter to the show, what city would I put on the uh, on the envelope to this this radio show? I, uh, yeah, you would want to send it to Appleton, Wisconsin, uh, area code mm-hmm. five four nine one five. Um, that's mm-hmm. where you want to send it. But listen, we you we should be proud talk, of Appleton. We, you can send, you should bring it up. I am very proud of Appleton. I love Appleton. Um, I, I live, and I'll tell you this right now: people are even people in Appleton are looking at me funny, Farrell. I'm still wearing shorts. November 19th, 2021. <laughs> I'm still wearing shorts out in public. I'm still comfy. Like, you know, it's like 30 degrees out or whatever. I'm like, you know what? Forget it. Uh, until I get cold, uh, I'm, I'm not wearing pants yet. So I'm, I'm loving it right now. I love Appleton. I love Northeast Wisconsin. Wouldn't change it for the world. And I would not change my co-host for the world. Farrell, we follow you on Twitter at KFFSC, at JFarrellLA. We check out the KFFSC at KFFSC.com. Cannot wait. Uh, to, um, to to register for some more leagues coming up in January, February, all those best balls that are going to get after it. But hopefully I got some wins, uh, some league winnings uh, in, in, my, in my future here over the next few weeks, and, and I'll do my best to manage my way there. Good luck in all your FFPC leagues. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next Friday, dude. Thank you, buddy. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Uh, good stuff from him tonight. Good stuff from our guest as well, ladies and gentlemen. Great guest uh, that we had tonight, Mr. Rob Linkowski. I want to not only thank him, but I want to thank Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob uh, Bryson, of course, each and every one of you. Now, I do apologize. I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but my voice is still not good. I went down to, a, it was like a little getaway. Um, we, we jetted down to um, uh, my family, uh, went down to Florida, northern Florida, uh, this past um, week, I was down there from Saturday uh, to Wednesday, and I picked up a bit of a cold. Uh, so I apologize if my voice, you know, I've been doing radio since I got back. So it, it's not been great. Hopefully you put up with it. Hopefully Rob Linkowski and Farrell Elliott made up for it. And uh, I certainly appreciate you making it this far. One of our longest HSFF hours in recent memory here on the program tonight. All right. So that is going to do it and complete our show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Um, listen to the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Jerry Kaforski, rotoviz.com slash podcast is where you can check that out. Good stuff from him this past week. We talked about managing teams in the main event, Football Guys Players Championship. For a guy who's been very close to winning the whole thing, um, hasn't sealed the deal, could be this year. We'll, uh, we'll find out. We'll be back on Friday, as I said, 10-9 Central. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Get those waivers and lineups in. Your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week.
Um, just just to piggyback on what I said, so the waivers in the FFPC will still go off Wednesday night, but remember, we got an early start on Thanksgiving morning. Um, I assume it's – I haven't looked at the schedule yet. I assume it's with the Lions game. Um, so you're going to have a quick turnaround. Um, I like to um, not set my lineups on Thursdays till like, late afternoon. You will not have that option. you got to check it before then. So after you place your waivers on Wednesday – Watch that Saturday Night Live Thanksgiving special from, um, I think, 9 to 11 Eastern time on Wednesday night, which I'm very looking forward to. Um, make sure you get um, your lineup set uh, ASAP so you can enjoy turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes and yams and cranberry sauce and whatever you enjoy on Thanksgiving while you watch football. Um, it'll make it that much more enjoyable when your lineups are already set. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We will talk to you next Friday. Happy Thanksgiving.